Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have a procession of guests, including John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. A little bit later, Kyle Weens from iFixit, who will tear down the new MacBook for us. Well, not exactly for us, but I'll tell you about why it's the most difficult to repair Mac yet. We're pretty close to it. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> so we have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, who is testing, by the way, a brand new microphone. Yes, show. I've been that. testing several microphones. I got to be in my bonnet a while back to uh, explore different microphones. Uh, to find out how they work for podcasting, the ins and outs of them, how they sound. And uh, so I've tested a uh, Apogee 96K. I've tested some blue products, a blue Spark and a blue Snowball. This week I'm testing an IK Multimedia iRig Mic HD, which is designed to be handheld. I don't have a proper stand for it yet, but I do have it propped up. Actually, it is working out pretty well. So we'll see. At the end of the testing, I'll pick up my favorite mic. I think the only issue I raised is that one of the killer features for me, the ones that just break the deal, is the lack of a mute switch. To give an example, the Yeti has a mute switch. Yeah, the Blue Yeti has been one of my favorites. That's the one I've been using in all my previous shows with you. And it sounds real good. We use a Blue Yeti Pro with an outboard mixer, a USB mixer from Behringer. And what this means is that I can mute the sound from a sliding switch on the mixer. So I don't need to push a button. Just so you know, that's my cough switch. Slide into silence. That's why you didn't hear me for a second. I turned it off. (laughs) I do that also when the guest is talking. I Mm. cut out my audio. So if I have to cough, wheeze, or make all sorts of sounds you wouldn't want to repeat on family radio, I can do it. Let's talk about a lot of things here. Apple Watch sales. Now, the first indication we had here about pre-orders was the fact that within minutes or a few hours, depending on the model that you ordered, Apple Watch was back-ordered by four to six weeks. We know Kirk McElhern tried to order two of them minutes after ordering went live and already had to wait. So we don't know how many Apple had on the opening day. But now there are reports of pre-orders in the one million range And the one that got publicity first was a company called Slice Intelligence that nobody ever heard of before it got worldwide publicity. What do you think? Well, I didn't research uh, Slice or find out what their history was. We were talking before the show about how they didn't exist until 2012. But I didn't worry about that too much because, you know, the first day sales, in my mind, are going to be high because of the expectations the early adopters, the pent-up demand. And you can't hold that. If they sold 975000 on the first day, call it a million. And there's 265 shopping days left in the year after April 10th. And that would be t- almost 265 million watches. And they're not going to sell that. So I see it as an initial big bump. People were anxious and ready to get up at midnight Pacific time and order a watch, which um, I did. I got my email confirmation from Apple at 1.04 a.m. Mountain Time, and I was still four weeks out. My earliest delivery is May 13th. But that can't hold. And so there's going to be a dip, I think, after the initial surge. And then as the Apple Watch percolates out into the world, 
people start seeing it on other people and talking about it. And there's more and more articles and how to's and their friends have one and movie stars have one and, and Apple's production capacity improves. Then I think there'll be a, a pickup. The question is, as you know, how to figure out what the sales are going to be in the long run, not just the first day. And estimating Apple's watch sales for the year of 2015 has turned out to be very tricky business in the past. And in the early phases, there were just just wild guesses. And then analysts came in with individual numbers that they thought were realistic. And then some publications started quoting this and their analysts. And we didn't really have a really good feel until today. So today we saw a report from Reuters that they, in partnership with uh, Ipsos, had polled 1,829 U.S. adults. And if it was a good poll, it was random. And they, I think it is because they specified a, a credibility or an error interval of plus or minus 2.6 points. And you can get a good sample from 250 million Americans with a sample of about 1,500, 1,800, if it's random. Statistics and mathematics say that's all you need to narrow it down to a few percent plus or minus. It's an amazing number, but statistical analysis proves that you can do it. That caught my eye right away as a good sampling of the intentions of U.S. adults. And their number came up to be, on the average, about 6% of adult Americans, about 15 million watches sold in uh, 2015 to Americans. And, and that tickled my fancy quite a bit because I had previously seen a list from Fortune where they did an accounting of all the different analysts uh, from Trip Chowdy at Global Equities, estimating 41 million globally, all the way down to the perennial optimist Gene Munster at Piper Jaffray, who estimated only 8 million. And there's about 16 or 18 of those. And throwing out the high and the low numbers, uh, unfortunately, Gene's the low you get an average of about 20.3 million for the, for globally for all the years. So the polling data suggests about 15 million in America. And the average of all the analyst numbers for global is higher, which it should be, at somewhere around 20 million. And these numbers aren't too far apart in uh, considering the fact that the second number is bigger and, and accounts for global sales. All of a sudden, we're starting to get a better picture now of what the estimated Apple Watch sales were. It's no longer just guess. If you take the average of all the analysts, you've got a better number, despite the fact that the variation is large. But then when another independent estimate comes in with a number that's credible and close, then you begin to get more comfortable. So the net result of my article was that it looks like there's going to be between 15 and 20 million Apple Watches sold in 2015, globally. Now, remember, this is the first year of a brand new product. And remember, it took, what, a year and a half for the iPhone to reach more than 1% of global sales. The second thing to bear in mind is we don't really know. These are rough guesses. Possibly if Apple says something during their quarterly conference call on April 27th about Apple Watch sales specifically, not off the charts or this other nonsense, but specific numbers, we can start to gauge its success, but not Tim, now. Tim Cook had said previously that they were not planning to announce numbers, but that just gives them an out. We know that if the numbers are fantastic on April 27th, Tim will say something about it. And it wouldn't hurt Apple if analysts were to multiply that number you know, and prorate it through the rest of the year and come up with a huge number. 
it would be artificially large, but um, Apple wouldn't mind. You know, the point being here is that we're all guessing. And even when you say in a survey, I plan to buy something, that doesn't mean you will. You know, absolutely. And and the other thing, the other thing to bear in mind is when it comes to sit here and you got to say, look, do I have $349 or $399? Do I have 500? Do I have whatever? Or do I need all these features? Maybe if I really want a smartwatch, I'll spend 150 or something or $100 for a Pebble. Well, you know what's appealing about the Apple Watch is, is this perception that they're unrecognized and perhaps serendipitous opportunities. One of my distinguished readers who's a physician wrote an example about a woman who's in a meeting. And it's a big meeting and the boss is looking at her. And she's programmed her Apple Watch to vibrate on her wrist when the kids send her a notification that they're home safe from school. And her home automation system sends her also a alert that the front door was opened at the time the kids got home and then it was locked again. So if she's sitting in a meeting, she's not staring at her watch, pissing off her boss because she thinks, you know, the more the meeting is boring. She simply got these very subtle notifications coming through to her and she can pay attention to the meeting and look good. Let's talk about that in the next segment because I have more to say about it. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686. 2237 extension 129.
By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Before we go on with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, I do want to mention... Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus is our new premium service. You go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Check it out. For a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription rate, you get the ad-free version of this show, higher-resolution audio so you can hear the great new mic that John's using, plus.technightowl.com. So we're talking about the value proposition of Apple Watch, and you mentioned, of course, a mom being notified when her kids are home from school, for example. She doesn't have to look at her iPhone. And this was something in the Wired magazine article where they were talking about development of the Apple Watch, where one of the design engineers, one of the people ahead of the project, was sitting there for the session, never looking at his iPhone, and occasionally getting this subtle notice on his Apple Watch. The point being here is that now we spend a lot of times, I think David Polk said like 100 times a day, you look at your iPhone. And with Apple Watch, a lot of the notifications that will take away your attention will no longer be necessary because you get those notices on your Apple Watch and you can make a fast decision at a glance whether it requires more attention or you can set it aside. And so distractions, and a smartphone is a distraction, distractions are going to be reduced 
And in that sense, Apple Watch becomes useful. In order to do that, you've got to set up a slightly different user interface on a small device with a small display. And you've only got so many buttons and you've only got so many ways to interact with the uh, Apple Watch. That's why the Force Touch is so cool. When you do that, you create this novel new thing that people have to learn about. It's a little bit alien. And I think there's a little bit of hubris involved. Uh, Maybe some technical writers think that they would understand it right away and be able to use it immediately in the short time they had for testing before Apple opened up sales. It may be that their feeling of unfamiliarity with it colored their perceptions about how ultimately we will learn to exploit the Apple Watch. Just think about it. In six months, there will be four, five, six million Apple Watches out there. Thousands of articles will have been written some at the Mac Observer, other other places. And we'd all, we'll all learn about the ins and outs of the Apple Watch. Using it will be second nature. We'll learn new ways to operate it and exploit it. And as we were saying before, we'll be able to take advantage of it in, in, in new ways. In an article I wrote on uh, April 10th, I said, why the Apple Watch seems like a luxury now, but won't be for long. So if you don't understand it completely and you don't know how to exploit it because you haven't lived with it for six months, you can certainly see it as an expensive luxury. But I predict that after we start using it, just as you said, all those clever ways that it helps us, keeps us from staring at our phone, keeps us from being annoying during meetings, keeps us better informed, we'll be able to just wave our arm at Whole Foods on the way out to pay. Uh, we'll be able to scan the uh, the boarding pass when we get on an airplane. We'll be subtly notified and kept uh, aware of the weather, make, we'll make better decisions. It, it may, in fact, end up doing all those things that Google Glass tried to do in terms of situational awareness and information around us, but in a more human, natural, and accessible way, also more culturally acceptable way. Think about it this way also. When the first <laughs> iPhone came out, we had to learn how to use it. It didn't just sit there. We had to learn about pinch and zoom and the swiping and these extra skills for a touch screen. Now they're second nature. They are. So now an Apple and designing Apple Watch had to distill some of those functions for a smaller screen, but also change functions, add things that made it easier to use, such as the digital crown and the extra button and the force touch, especially force touch, because that's something that will soon be on every Apple notebook. Eventually, there might also be a magic trackpad with Force Touch. I Pardon? actually got a chance to try that on a MacBook We'll uh, get to last that in weekend. a moment. Yeah, I want to get into that. Cool. That, did you go to the 15-minute Apple I Watch did. demonstration thing at Apple did. Store? Our strategy at TMO was to be very methodical and careful and do measurements and size up the situation and pick the watch that we thought we were going to want. Uh, in my case, I'm a nutcase on Sapphire, and so I wanted a steel and sapphire watch. And I was very careful measuring my current watch, measuring my wife's watch in terms of size and how it would fit me. And I decided I needed a 42 millimeter. And I was in love with the idea of the leather loop because it's infinitely adjustable. And you can cinch it up just the way you want it and then let the magnet hold it in place. And that leather loop is only available on the 42 millimeter. So for me, it was a natural process. I ordered it. I got my email at 104, acknowledging my purchase. If I had been quicker, what happened was I tried to use the 
App Store app on my iPad Mini 3, thinking that I would be able to get in, make a quick decision, tap Apple Pay and be done. But the app on my iPad could not connect to the Apple Store. And after 15 or 20 seconds of frustration at 1.01 in the morning, we were all in a Skype chat room together, you know, strategizing. I went, okay, plan B. So I went to Safari on my Mac. And lo and behold, I was able to get in, but that wasted precious time. And then because I was using my Apple ID, uh, instead, um, I had to enter the CCV on my uh, credit card, which slowed me down a little bit. And so I was probably 60 seconds later than I should have been. On my first try, I got the watch that I wanted, and uh, I got a, a sales receipt. And like I said, the earliest date I can get it is May 13th. And then following our TMO strategy, uh, we all made reservations in the Apple store for Friday, that Friday or Saturday. I was able to get in on Saturday afternoon at the local mall and uh, try on what I had selected. And my plan was that if it was a complete bust and it didn't work, I was going to cancel the order with the sales agent, had my order number with me. And order a different watch as a result of trying on several during that 15-minute session. And I realized that I would have pushed my delivery back even to June or July, but I would have gotten the exact watch I wanted. Fortunately, the steel watch with the leather loop was perfect for me. And so I had a good decision, and I'm expecting to be very pleased with it now that I've actually tried on the watch that I picked out. The biggest criticism I see about Apple Watch is... It's different, and the way of buying one is different. Therefore, it has to be bad. Well, you know, I think something went wrong behind the scenes. We had been writing articles about how there was going to be this glorious period where you would try one on, and then you would order it with the agent, and you come back to the store, and you would pick it up. Uh, and there was going to be carpeting and, and special places and maybe glass cases. And there is a glass case for a showcase for all the watches that you can buy. But we expected to be able to go back into the Apple store and pick up the one we wanted if we wanted to. I think there was some sort of manufacturing difficulty behind the scenes. And Apple had to sit down and quickly strategize how they were going to handle that. And I also had read that the mall managements were upset with these long lines and the, and the ruckus every time there was a new Apple product. And probably the other stores were annoyed, especially the Microsoft store down the hall. <laughs> of course, the Microsoft course. store. We've got John Martellaro with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7. And take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hug-A-Mac for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash Hug-A-Mac. Bitdefender.com backslash Hug-A-Mac. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. 
Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps Helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. By now you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins, but did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So, of the three Microsoft stores at malls, I don't know how many there are. There aren't near as many as Apple. Were they upset with all the lines snaking around Apple stores? Also, of course, there has to be a security issue because possibly law enforcement officials or have to be there or perhaps shopping mall has to hire security guards or make Apple hire mm-hmm. security guards. But it's a great hype. You know, It's a great hype to have a brand new product and people lining mm-hmm. up for days or weeks to want to buy one. And that was totally different this time 
because the headlines were around the world, well, not that big of a crowd, implying there was no demand for the Apple Watch, even though Apple set it up so you couldn't just go in there and buy one. I agree with you, though, that once they have a lot available, you'll just be able to go in there and buy the one you want. But there's so many configurations. That's the problem. You know, you have the three models in two sizes and the different extras for the edition and then all these watch bands and that that's kind of complicated so maybe other than having a few in stock of basic popular configurations they're not going to do that what was really annoying was this business of getting up at one in the morning you know for our uh, publisher uh, dave hamilton he had to get up at three in the morning east coast time good for him we all get together in a skype chat room and we tell each other how we did and what's happening and how we're getting access and whether we got a receipt and uh, what watch we were able to get. You know, it's kind of fun when you're in a group like that. But when you're all by yourself and you tr- drag yourself out of bed at one or two in the morning central time and go down to your computer and your slippers and sleepily log on, you know, and try to order an expensive item, it, it, it really is kind of annoying. It's something that I've been bitched about uh, in the past. And I wish we didn't have to do that. I wish you could just sit back and relax and order it in a sort of a, maybe a, um, a time zone, what would you call it? A, 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 a moving time zone where your Apple allocates so many per time zone and you can order one during the afternoon or at your leisure or something like that. But this 1am thing, mountain time was crazy and it always annoys me. Well, it seems to work for Apple, so we're not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to this when people start receiving Apple Watches and just see what kind of reaction we have. But let's talk about the other product we mentioned real briefly earlier in the show, MacBook. Now, when I look at MacBook, I think in 2008, they came out with a MacBook Air at $1,799. They said it was underpowered, didn't have enough ports, overpriced. At $1,299, the 12-inch MacBook, didn't have enough ports, didn't have enough power. I don't know that overpriced makes a point here because if you add the retina display and the larger amount of memory and storage space, it's only maybe a couple hundred dollars more than a similar 11-inch MacBook Air. So I don't know. Well, you know, when the first MacBook Air came out, as you said, there were complaints about it. But the people who used it were primarily business people. Remember, at the time, your alternative was an IBM or Lenovo black box monster with a gazillion ports and black plastic and a 15-inch screen, and it weighed 5.9 pounds. And it had 4,000 labels on the front and underside from different product licenses. I remember flying with those guys, and, you know, when you... When you sat down next to one of those business travelers and he had his ugly PC notebook sitting there and you pulled out this slim, beautiful MacBook Air and put it on the tray table and you started using Microsoft Office, you know, they would just glare at you, you know. So and it's easy, it was easy to throw into your briefcase because it was thin. You know, briefcases have that slot at the top for papers. So you could throw a MacBook Air into that slot in the lid you know, and have all your other papers below. So it it appealed to a certain class of people who had the money and had the need and and it propelled uh, Apple into, you know, eventually being able to, through sales numbers, be able to improve it steadily. 
Uh, I think the same thing is true with this, uh, this new MacBook. It's slightly underpowered, but its key is not power, it's mobility. So many of my readers complained to me that the processor was underpowered. This is a mobility chip. If you go to Intel's website and you look at the information about the Core M processor in there, the whole emphasis is on thinness and low weight and mobility. And that's the appeal of this product. One of my readers complained to me he had an Alienware notebook that was hugely more powerful than this MacBook. And it was the same price, $1,300. And so I asked him in the comments, how much does it weigh? And he said, oh, it's 9.8 pounds. So there's definitely engineering traits going on. If you want processing speed and power, you're going to buy an Apple MacBook Pro with a quad-core processor and 16 gigabytes of RAM. If you're a traveler, a writer, a reporter, you want something you can virtually, you know, lightweight, throw into a briefcase or backpack and have no weight considerations to worry about at all. And you need mobility. You need OS 10 on the fly in two pounds, 920 grams. Then this is a computer for you. So you make your decision. And it's not as if Apple canceled the MacBook Airline. Come on, give me a break. Don't complain about the MacBook. Go out and buy a MacBook Air with a 13-inch screen and and uh, a Core i7 processor. I mean, you know what? You have to look at the product lineup right now. So you have the MacBook Air. You have a MacBook Pro, a legacy model with a traditional hard drive that hasn't been updated. You have the MacBook Pro with Retina display, and you have a MacBook. So you have basically, what, four different product lines, and two of them have multiple screen sizes. So you buy the model you want. Right. I mean, I never hear them criticize Dell because one of the Dell notebook configurations, of which they're 12,000, isn't suited for them. Well, I think it's a sense of entitlement. I want a very expensive computer that's exotic, and hard to make, and thin, and aluminum, and gold, and has a fast processor, and costs me nothing. You know, because I can only afford 600 bucks for a computer, so Apple should sell it to me for 595 you got one for eight ninety nine. Isn't that a big enough compromise? I want to ask yeah. you something else about MacBook. Supposedly, Apple in the ten point ten point three update enabled something called NVMe Express. Yeah, which I read is a about way that. of managing solid state storage that supposedly is more efficient, less latency, a little bit faster. And this is only right now on the new MacBook. It's not on any other Mac because they don't have the hardware. What's that mean? I haven't read up on it. I read one article briefly about it, about Apple slipstreaming it into 10.10.3, but I have not yet researched it. I've been busy on other things. Sorry. Now, remember also that MacBook has the same processor power as, say, a 2011 or 2012 MacBook Air, depending on which processor option you get. Right. More to the point here, did anyone ever think those MacBook Airs were underpowered? And the answer is no. You're looking at it in relationship to the current models. Complaining about the power in such a portable device is kind of crazy. I mean, if you're planning on buying one, then you're going to buy one based on a need. But to say that, you know, I have a quad-core or six-core Xeon sitting on my desktop that's rated at 180 gigaflops and is really, really powerful, and and then turn around on the other side of your mouth and say that this machine from Apple, this MacBook, is, is silly and underpowered is really kind of crazy. I just don't understand it. Now, we have to break in a moment, but you have this article called 
how I changed my mind about Apple's MacBook. So I gather you went from a skeptic to a believer. Am I right? I was a mild skeptic when it first came out. Uh, I thought if I got one, it would be gold because I saw the pictures and I thought they were really cool. And I had a gold 5S. I went back to space gray on the iPhone 6. And so I thought, well, you know, it is kind of underpowered um, in, in an absolute sense. Um, and I wasn't quite sure about the 12-inch screen because I have a 13-inch MacBook Air. So let's look into the process that John yeah. underwent in deciding so, whether to get one and which okay. one to get. I got a break. Oh, okay. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger and the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. 
Legal. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. So we're kind of expressing the use case for a MacBook. So consider that this is in its own way, more advanced than the original MacBook Air and far more affordable. If you can find one, they apparently are low in stocks right now. Yeah, okay, you're so you're making decisions one. here about the use case for you, which one to get. Was there ever a point where you said, I don't really need this? And then where you said, I'm going to get one? Or was it always, which one should I get? I don't it, know, but I finally all, got one. It all came to a head when I went into the Apple store after I tried on my Apple Watch. I went over to the table, and I looked at the MacBooks, and I picked one up, and I held it, and I used it, and I touched it. And right away, the use case came cl- very clear to me as a writer. You have to handle it in order to appreciate it. As soon as you pick it up, as soon as you feel it, as soon as you use it, as soon as you touch the keyboard, as soon as you look at the retina display you realize what the design point of this product is. And all your feelings that you had when you looked at it on a web page disappeared. And it's got that Johnny Ive design point to it where you suddenly, it's visceral. It hits you like a brick. You say, ah, yes, now I understand. Now I know what this is for. All of a sudden, my 13-inch MacBook Air seemed big and clumsy and heavy and over and overweight and oversized. And I'm thinking that um, I'm going to be very comfortable sitting in my recliner writing with this new MacBook. All I need is OS 10 and Scrivener and BB edit and Safari and Firefox and my editing tools. And uh, I'd be very happy, you know, sitting back in the recliner writing with this device. Also, I tried out the force touch. 
force touch is amazing. When it's off and you push on the uh, trackpad, nothing happens. It's not, it doesn't move. You turn it on and you get into a mode where you're ready to click on something or double click and you press it. It doesn't move, but there's this clever vibration that makes you feel like you depressed it. Jeff Gannett told me he, he got even more detailed. He went down and he, he kneeled next to the table and he looked at the trackpad from the side, trying to figure out whether it was really being depressed. And no, it doesn't move. But the vibration makes you swear that it, you ended up clicking. <laughs> it's an amazing process. And of course, that helps make it thinner because you don't have to actually have it depressed and have mechanism in there. Now with the keyboard... They had to do things, too, to make the keyboard thinner, less travel, and still make a compelling keyboard. Now, Jason Snell, who used to be the big muckety-muck over at Macworld, but now is just a contributing writer, wrote his review where he seems to have trouble getting used to the keyboard on the MacBook. What about you? I tried the keyboard, and I liked it. I like a short travel. I'm aware of the uh, keyboards that have a longer travel and a click the um, Tactile Pro Plus has a long throw and a certain kind of click mechanism that people love, and they're very noisy. I use the Apple aluminum keyboard uh, because it is a very short throw. And for me, to be able to gently tap on the key and move on to the next key is more comfortable and, and is faster for me. I like, I like that. So as soon as I started testing the MacBook keyboard, I felt the throw on it and I went, oh, this is even better. I like this because I don't have to spend time with tactile feedback and figuring out how far to throw the key and when it's going to click and, you know, getting that positive feedback. I can just do a short throw with my finger and move on. It's the way I type. And so I adapted to the keyboard very quickly when I was testing it. And because the key moves down square instead of, you know, wobbles a little bit, um, there's that even more certainty of, uh, of touching the key and being able to move on. There's no rocking like there is in a conventional mechanism. So I liked it. And right away, I recognized its virtues as a mobile device for a writer, in my case, or for a businessman. You know, imagine trying to travel with a seven-pound Lenovo notebook computer. You can't throw it in your briefcase. And, you know, the airlines are getting more and more touchy about what you can carry on board. So, you know, you need, you need a computer that you can put in a tight space and, and not have a lot of carry on weight and uh, accountable items. Um, you could actually slide it behind in your waistband <laughs> if you wanted to walk onto the airplane with the, uh, I just made this up now on the spur of the moment, but like a baseball cap, if you wanted to, you could slide it into your pants behind your back you know, and walk onto the airplane with this two-pound thing. It also serves body armor. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting here. When you look at a two-pound thing, it's maybe about half a pound heavier than the original 9.7-inch iPad. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, well, you know, some people think of it as a 12-inch iPad. And we'll get into that prospect a little bit later. Cool. Now, the thing I look at in the MacBook is to understand the use case here. You want to get online, you're doing it with Wi-Fi. You have 802.11 AC. It's going to be almost as fast as a traditional gigabit Ethernet switch. So you're free of wires. <clears throat> you don't care about DVD drives anymore. No problem with that. In terms of printing, there are lots of printers now that support 
AirPrint, and there are one or two utilities for OS X that let you print wirelessly, even if there's no support in the printer. So you don't need to connect to a printer. There are wireless ways of backing up, such as a time capsule. And if you have to do some backups back at home or at work, you plug it into a drive. If you need to have charging and the drive, you get one of those multi-port adapters for 79 bucks, and I expect third parties are going to have them half the price very soon because USB-C is an international standard. So already, the reasons why you need ports are not there. The other thing I envision here is because it's using an international standard, Belkin or someone will come out with a desktop dock. Absolutely. Like the PowerBook Duo. Mm -hmm. When you have this thing with very few ports, you get home, you go to the office, you have all the ports and the extra drives and the display, and you have it all there. But when you want to travel, it's very, very light. Now, let me tell you, my notebook is a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro. It has had two updates since then, update from four gigabytes of RAM to eight gigabytes and a 500 gigabyte solid state drive, which makes it fly. And it's a little faster than a 2015 MacBook, but not by much. You know, there's something that I just thought of, and that is that, in my opinion, and and some people disagree with me on this, but in my opinion, this new MacBook isn't designed to be your only computer. Some people will complain and say, well, why couldn't it be? And you could force it. But in my view, because of the design point of this, it's designed to be an auxiliary computer to your desktop, your iMac, uh, for example, um, something you move around with as opposed to a desktop iMac. There you have all your wires. There you have your printer connected. And what we haven't mentioned so far is iCloud. You've got syncing. You've got your Safari bookmark synced. You've got your notes synced. You've got your contact synced. You've got your uh, calendar synced. So there is really no need to sit down and plug in a printer and plug in a hard disk. My intention with this, I have one on order. My intention is to um, use the USB-C to USB adapter to connect a um, local time machine hard disk and keep it backed up on time machine. And then the rest of the time when it's on the desk, keep it charged. And when I'm in the recliner writing or moving around or taking it with me uh, somewhere, I'll be on battery power. It's got nine nine hours of battery life. I'm not seeing a problem, just as you described. I'm writing the case. The only thing I want is a 15-inch version. Oh, well, that retina display fixes that. Still, you you know, I'm used to 17 inches. I need a lot of screen real estate, except maybe I'm lying to myself because I used the early power books, which had, what, a nine-inch screen or something? Oh, yeah, I remember those. (laughs) All right, listen, we got a lot to talk about. I may want to ask you if you can to stay on an extra segment or so, if you have a few extra minutes. Sure. There's so much to cover here. So the point being here is that this is the first MacBook of its type. Apple has a lot of ways to go here. You can see improvements, obviously, as the Core M processor matures. You're going to see faster and larger solid-state drives. You're going to see lots of reasons why the price may not change, but you'll get more value for your money. And maybe there will be a 15-inch version of this for people who just got to have a larger screen, whatever use case you assert. Because this is the notebook of the future, I agree with that. 
We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. So the news breaks. Hillary Clinton's running for president. My buddy Mark says to me, hey, didn't Hillary support the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban? And I'm thinking, yeah, 1992 presidential campaign. Oh, my God. A gun grabber in the White House. So at Guns80.com, they've come up with the Hillary Clinton special. They just call it the Hillary. You even get two 30-round magazines for free, and it's only $474.95 for the whole kit. So get your AR-15 kit and tell Hillary, ha-ha, 8442-GUNS80. That's Guns80.com. Avoid bankruptcy. Does credit card debt have you living paycheck to paycheck? Our attorneys at the Legal Center for Debt Resolution will find the absolute best debt reduction solution for you or you pay nothing. It's called pay for performance and you won't pay a dime until the job's done. That's right. No upfront fee, no monthly fees. Nada. You pay nothing until after your account is settled. If you owe ten, thirty, or even $50,000 in credit card debt, call the Legal Center for Debt Resolution at 800-449-4269. 800-449-4269. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. A little bit later, Kyle Weens of iFixit is going to tear down a MacBook. And as nice as it seems, as pretty as it seems... As light and flexible as it seems for wireless computing, don't ever try to take it apart. You know, they talk about glues and custom screws and stuff. It's not designed for that. It's like the original Mac 128K where you couldn't take it apart because there was nothing to really do with it. It's a sealed box. If you have to replace the battery, you hand it over to Apple, give them 100 bucks or so, and let them replace the battery because that's what it's got to be. Let's get to some more products with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. All right, before we get into iPad and other subjects, Microsoft Surface 3 Pro hmm. may be somewhat successful. Now there's a smaller Surface 3 tablet, or a cheaper one at any rate, for $500, same as the iPad. Has Microsoft made the case for people to buy these things? I believe they have. 
read extensively about the Microsoft Surface 3. I've had a chance to handle one. Fortunately, we have a Microsoft store at uh, the Park Meadows Mall in uh, Lone Tree, Colorado. You really have to go far to find those. Yeah, so I was able to hand one and talk to the salesperson and look at the dock that's available with it. pick one up and hold it in my hand and uh, and operate it a little bit. This is the first, I think, going to be the first very successful tablet that Microsoft has come out with. Remember the, the Microsoft Surface RT tablet that was running an ARM processor and had a customized version of Windows and had a special version of Microsoft Office. Um, I've written in the past about how one time I was in a Staples, it was about a year ago, and this young woman was uh, with her parents trying to select a, a notebook computer to head off to college with. She'd made the mistake of buying a Microsoft Surface RT tablet, and then she found out to her dismay that uh, it didn't run Microsoft x86 binaries because they had the wrong processor inside, and so they were in the process of unloading it and getting her really ready to go to college so she could run the certain apps that she was going to be needing at college that were, you know, standard Windows binaries. I got a bad taste in my mouth, and I think a lot of other people did for this sort of crazy Surface RT notebook. It was Microsoft's attempt to do low power, but it was badly conceived and it confused the marketplace. And it came out at the same time as Windows 8, which was even more confusing. You know, they say Microsoft gets it right the third time. Well, I think the third time's a charm here. Um, they've got a, a slightly better keyboard. Uh, it's a $599 device. It uh, has a good resolution display. It has a uh, micro USB charger. So, that, you know, everybody's got those chargers laying around. It's got HDMI out. Even though it has the kickstand, it, it feels more like an iPad in its design. It's got a better price point. It runs Windows 8 and Windows 8.1. It comes with Windows 8.1. It is ready, according to Microsoft, for Windows 10. You know, you've got buyer assurance there that you'll be able to migrate up to Windows 10. It comes with a stylus. I'm actually a big fan of styluses. I use them on my iPad all the time. Keeps the screen cleaner and gives me more accuracy. I don't mind sitting with a stylus when I'm using an iPad. It's priced right. It's got the right operating system. It's got an Atom processor running at, I think, 1.2 gigahertz. It comes default with 64 gigabytes of storage. You can buy one with 128. It checks all the boxes. It hits all the sweet spots. It's going to be insanely popular with students who want to carry around a full-blown copy of Windows 8.1, run Windows x86 binaries, have a, uh, a lightweight, you know, one, what is it, 1.3 pounds device to throw in their backpack if they really want to be running Windows, get some, you know, college productivity done, You run Outlook, it's just, in my mind, a, a very nice hybrid tablet notebook computer for business people and students. And um, I've asked to review one at the Mac Observer. Microsoft's PR group has put me on the list. I may not be one of the first to get one. I've already seen reviews from the big sites. But I think I'll be able to get one eventually for review and review it for the, uh, the Mac Observer readers and give them uh, my perspective on it. I think it's a winner. Okay, this is the first service that may make it. Microsoft appears to be doing much better work. I know they've been steadily updating the public beta of Office 2016 for Mac. And, you know, it's pretty decent. You know, obviously they've taken a lot of clues from the modern UI under Windows in terms of icon construction and everything. But they've made it a lot better, a lot more usable. So Microsoft is making a good case for their products 
even if you don't have windows. It's not a situation here where so many more features are on the Windows version. There are some, but not nearly as many. Gene, I said five ninety nine. I uh, was in error. It's four ninety nine. It's even better. Yeah, that's such a tantalizing amount of money. One of the criticisms I had about the Surface Three Pro was that when you load it up with enough memory, it's about over a thousand dollars. And 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 for a thousand dollars, there are better full blown PC notebook computers with first class screens and first class keyboards that you can buy. But the four ninety nine price is well matched to the size and the quality of the keyboard and the weight. Just wanted to make that correction. $499. So this is the case versus a traditional cheap Windows notebook. Right, right. I mean, at that point, you're no longer thinking about buying a Hewlett Packard for you know $900. You're thinking, well, you know, I can get everything I need to get done on this uh, 10-inch screen uh, with Windows 8.1, decent keyboard and a stylus, fold it up, carry it around with me, good connectivity, good storage, all of all the advantages of being in the Windows environment for office and school. Yeah. Third time they got it right. Okay. So we look then at the Apple version of a tablet, the iPad, and we have the flat sales and we have the declining sales and we have concerns that maybe it reached its peak and it's going downhill from there. We have Tim Cook saying, well, this is a bump in the road and they're very optimistic for the future. But is that just corporate spin? Let's spend a little time figuring out iPad and what needs to be done to make it succeed. What's wrong with it now? We have to wrap up this session in just a few minutes, and we'll get on to another segment. But right now, for the next couple of minutes, let's start this discussion. John Martellaro, why is Apple iPad faltering? I think there was a much-needed market for a tablet um, I remember writing that when you've got a, a MacBook Air and you've got an iPhone, you don't need anything else. And the example I gave was you go on vacation to visit a friend and you travel to his house and you set the MacBook Air on the kitchen table and you're checking your mail and you're doing this and that and showing him some photos. And then he says, well, let's go out to dinner. So you grab your iPhone and you put it in your pocket and you go out to dinner. You know, your mom calls you. And you quickly have a chat with your mom and then you move on. So where was the use case for something in between? It turned out there was. There were there was unintended consequences. Again, a serendipitous thing where we realized we needed an iPad as a second screen. We, we needed it uh, for office work. The military got good use out of it and continues to get use out of it. It's good for displays. It's good for mobility. It's good for content consumption on the move. It's also good, by the way, for the seven-foot-long manual of a luxury automobile. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and reading magazines and reading books that you don't want to read on your phone. So there was a market waiting to be exploited. What happened, I think, was that Apple fully exploited that market, sold millions and millions of iPads. People got to the point where they had the iPad that they needed, Apple wasn't making dramatic changes in the technology so that if you had a uh, iPad 3 or 4, uh, you may not have been necessarily tempted to jump to an iPad Air. If you had an iPad Air, you didn't feel like you really needed to replace it with an iPad Air 2. So a lot of people loved the iPad. They went out and they bought it. Apple came out with the iPad Mini, which is great for, you know, care for women carrying in her purse 
or reading in bed where you don't have to have this, you know, heavy one pound thing in your hands. It's, it's great for, you know, taking to the dentist office and reading in the waiting room. Uh, it's very mobile, very portable, and it's fun to use. And, and, and I have one and it certainly has its uses, but as soon as 50 or 80 million Americans, I forget how many have been sold, have acquired one, then the question is what's next? What's Apple next is another segment with John right, Martellaro right, of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic any time. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. 
Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Here's where we stand now. A lot of the people who want to get iPads have them, although they may be reasons to buy one for those who haven't bought one. But also, I think the people who bought the 2010 or 2011 versions, John Martellero, are they getting set to say, you know what, maybe I'm going to upgrade soon. Let's see what Apple comes up with this fall. And that's when we'll see the first of these upgrades. Right now, the upgrade cycle may be four or five years. Once that kicks in, that's going to change things a bit, right? Yeah. You have to ask yourself what you're getting. You know, basically it's a large iPhone. And my argument is that when you get it to a certain size of an iPad, you need to exploit the size of the screen. The way I see it is sort of like the original Mac. Remember when the original 1984 Mac came out and it had one floppy and you were putting one floppy in and injecting it and put another floppy in and you know, and you had a keyboard without a numeric pad and you had no hard disk and it was a very limited computer. And so all the early adopters who wanted the original 1984 Mac went out and bought one and they, they messed around with floppies, but businessmen just kind of laughed. And then Apple realized that after the early adopters were done with it, sales tanked and they had to do something. They had to do something fast. And, and so right away they introduced the SCSI port so that you could add external drives they made an internal drive available, and I believe it was the uh, Macintosh Plus, the first one that you could put an internal drive in and boot from. So I think the same thing is true with the iPad. It's got to grow as a product. It can't be an iPhone operating system forever with the same utility. You, know, you don't want to move icons around dramatically on a phone. It's designed to be pulled out of your pocket, and, and you touch it, and you do things. With an iPad, you want to have a little more facility. You want to do things like move images around and, and create content. And you want to have more facility for customizing your home pages so that the right apps can be in the right place. And right now, the only real way to do that is connect it to a Mac, fire up iTunes, and rearrange the uh, icons on a Mac uh, because it's kind of painful to create, a, say, a blank page. Uh, you have to slide everything on the last page to the right and then start sliding and sliding and sliding. And finally, in the middle somewhere, now you've got a blank page. You know, you ought to be able to just, you know, touch a certain button and preferences and say, insert a blank page. Or do something like have aliases to the most recently used apps 
So you can touch the screen in a certain way, and all your most recent aliases to the apps you've used are are available and you can touch them. And you want to be able to create content, which means you, you really have to do something better than what Apple has done with cut and paste and copy and the cursor control. The cursor control with a magnifying glass and the cut and paste has never been as good as Android. I, I have a Nexus 10 uh, and I've played with Android and believe me, it's a, life is better on an Android tablet with uh, editing and cutting and pasting because of the user interface. So that's got to be fixed. So when you have a larger screen and, and, and there, we have a, a, a sense, according to rumors, that Apple might be coming out with a larger iPad, a 12.9-inch iPad. The motivation here is fix iOS, make it a little bit different, make it a little bit better for the larger screen, exploit that larger screen, allow the customer to do more on a larger tablet and maybe with a stylus and get some serious work done and, and really pay homage to, you know, a 12.9 inch display, which is as big or bigger than, which is bigger than the MacBook. And, and so relegate these, you know, minor utility things that you do to, you know, checking weather and, and reading a Kindle book and, and, um, and, and, ch- and checking the app store and you know, looking up a calendar item on your phone or your iPad mini. But once you have a larger display, let's, let's really exploit it. Let's, let's bring the operating system up to speed and match the capability of the operating system to the screen real estate. I think until Apple does that, sales are going to tank. Well, that may be one of the new things in the next version of iOS. Features that will work for larger screens, such as Side-by-side multitasking, all the other enhancements that allow you to use multiple apps, provide greater flexibility with cut, copy, paste, all that stuff that isn't there now, but will be there in the next iOS. So isn't that a possibility here? And isn't, doesn't that make the case here for seeing that Apple understands the need to make this more of a productivity device? A pro device, iPad Pro. That's what the rumor's calling it, and that's where it should be targeted. So is that jumpstart sales? Who buys that larger iPad? Is that content creator? They want to do all their editing of pictures and maybe even audio on the larger screen. We have businesses of all kinds who will use this for displays and everything. The military, business, pilots who want a larger display for flying, looking at their charts. Um, store displays, hotel displays, business people and presentations where you can virtually turn it around and uh, you know show it to people, writers, artists. I mean, how do you do serious art on a nine-inch screen? Really? Well, we did it for years on Max. Yeah, we try. I mean, there were people who were particularly talented, but um, I, I think the size of the iPad was perfect for its time. But all products need to grow and change and meet the needs of customers. And, you know, Apple's been kind of fussy about the security of iOS. And they're very reluctant, I think, to fork iOS so that there's a version for a larger display. But I think and that's I think that's what they're wrestling with right now, personally, is, you know, we can't really have a 12-inch iPhone. You really can't just have a 12-inch display with all these icons floating around on it and treating it like you treat a small iPad or an iPhone. I think these Microsoft Surface 3 is going to eventually force Apple under that realization that people want to get work done. And Apple's going to have to make some concessions to give them what they want. If, if you just want 
to check international movie database and look at the starry sky with, you know, uh, uh, a uh, star Atlas program, or you want to check Doppler radar or something like that. An iPad is easy to pick up and touch and know you've got it, but the iPad is going to be around eventually, unless like, it dies, unless the whole product category dies, it's going to be around for a long time. And now I think after five years, it's time for Apple to really step it up and, and really develop the capability of the iPad. So in terms of form factor, is it like an iPad Air 2, but weighs about the same or slightly less than a MacBook? Right, right. It's going to grow. I don't know what the weight would be. You'd have to figure out the mathematics. It'd be nice if it were as thin as an Air, iPad Air 2, uh, but there are probably some structural issues with that, you know, bending and so on. So the, the thickness has to be the proper thickness in terms of structure and in terms of battery power to drive a 12-inch display for 10 hours. So a 12-inch, 12.9-inch, say, iPad Pro would probably have to be a little thicker than an iPad Air 2. How much? That's up to the Apple engineers. So maybe, all things being equal, we get the announcement of a new OS, we get the new iPad Pro, or would that be announced during WWDC because it's more of a business-oriented machine. We'll get into more of this in a moment with our final segment with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. We are America's largest independently-owned communications network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out a2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 Six two two three seven extension one two nine. 
If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face -face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. Hi everyone, I'm Pharmacist Ben, nutritional pharmacist and host of The Bright Side. The good news about nutrition and health. The good news that if you or someone you care about is on a prescription drug or has some kind of health challenge, there's a gentle, natural, healthy way to address most health issues without drugs and without doctors. And it's as simple as understanding how the parts of the body work and how they interact with the foods we eat and the nutrients we take in. If you've heard me on The Bright Side or at one of my presentations, you know I'm a man on a mission. A mission to help you understand health and wellness and the remarkable healing powers of the biological system called the human body. And if you like The Bright Side, you're going to love my new website, brightsideben.com. You'll find articles and links. You'll be able to access archives and we'll even have exclusive information that you won't hear on the radio show. And of course, you can purchase the Longevity Nutritional Supplements and even sign up to join my Longevity team and make an impact, make a difference, and maybe make some money too. Check out brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com or call 866-735-2470 for more information. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Hey, I'm Gene Steinberg here in the Tech Night Owl live. A little bit later, Kyle Weens. He comes from iFixit. He's going to tear down a MacBook for us. And believe you me, you don't want to do it. But he did it. And he'll also, when it comes out, tear apart Apple Watch. We'll also have his reaction to the new products from Samsung, the Galaxy S6 and Edge. Are they more difficult to fix because they don't let you open up the back of the case so easily anymore? John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. So paint this picture. Do we see this, the new iPad Pro during June because it seems to be a better fit? Well, historically, the new iPads have come out in the fall time frame. On the other hand, I would think that Apple would want to be in a hurry in 2015 to bump uh, sales. So I think coming out with the hardware at that point and introducing uh, 5,000 developers to this operating system um, so that they can start exploiting it uh, would be the right time. I mean, you know, we've got the MacBook. It's out. It's uh, available for order. Um, it's They're trickling out. The Apple Watch is on its way. Um, deliveries are going to be starting soon. Um, the, um, the Mac Pro uh, will have been announced two years ago at WWDC in 2013. 
Um, it would be nice to see an update, but it kind of depends on the Intel product line. I haven't researched that. We had an update in MacBook Airs and um, MacBook Pros on March uh, 9th. So you have to ask yourself uh, what Apple's got up its sleeve for WWDC. And so you're right. It could be very well that an iPad Pro will be released to developers and um, the, the new APIs for them to exploit it will be explored so that we can get those special apps that exploit the bigger screen. Now, it's interesting here. I was reading the chatter in advance of iOS 9, OS 10.11, saying, you know, there'll be fixer-upper releases. So many bugs in the current versions of Yosemite and iOS 8. Apple's going to have a fixer-upper release like Snow Leopard. And then Philip Schiller, during the press release for the WWDC beginning June 8th, touts new technologies. So suddenly, are we burying the bug fixer upper thing? No, I think it's one thing for Apple to go about the business of fixing the bugs, but that's not something you do publicly in order to whip up enthusiasm for WWDC. I mean, that, that's a big event. And there's a, a lot of developers who are the lifeblood of Apple in attendance uh, important attendees, the press for the keynote. Um, it's important for Apple to keep us interested in the things that they've been developing behind the scenes and introducing new technology. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they have to go on at the same time. And I'm kind of sensing, don't you feel like Apple's doing updates a little more frequently? You know, we had 8.1 come out and then two and then three, and now we have a beta of four. Uh, we're up to 10.3 already with OS 10. 10.4 is, uh, I think, already in the hands of some people. Uh, I think the way Apple's solving the problem is by more frequent releases uh, and getting these bugs worked out by trial and error instead of uh, letting them linger between long releases uh, cycles. So I think that's that's part of the solution. Um, but uh, you know, there's always fun and new stuff announced at WWDC because developers have to be enthusiastic about their business prospects uh, to make money. I mean, you got all these developers in the audience for the keynote and then, you know, it's talking to engineers and in sessions for a week. They have to come away feeling like, wow, Apple's given me the tools and the technologies that I need to become prosperous as a developer. And to do that, you have to keep them very excited about what Apple's doing and what its future is. So that's what's behind Phil Schiller's announcement. Well, we're going to have to see what kind of new technologies. Very quickly, before we let you go, got a piece over at Mac Observer called Apple's reintroduction to IBM's supercomputers will pay off. Uh, Tell us in that, four minutes you? or less how. In four minutes. Well, you know, Apple used to be involved in supercomputers back in the 2000 to 2005 timeframe when they had the XServe. People were buying these XServe one-year rack units and building small clusters. And even a couple organizations built some very large supercomputers with thousands of these XServes. So Apple was dabbling in the supercomputer business and finally decided that that was not for them, that it was a money drain. And it is, and it was. And um, had the, by 2005, there was a prototype 
of the iPhone and iPad and, and Steve Jobs was thinking about the consumer side of the company and a better way to appeal to the mass market and become a more successful consumer electronics company because of the success they had with the iPod and with music. And that was the right way to go. And we saw this, we've seen the success of Apple going along that route with music and iPods and then iPads and iPhones. Apple kind of got away from supercomputers. They were distracted. But this new relationship with IBM and um, using Watson for medical research and trying to tackle the most fundamental of human problems and become getting for the first time massive databases collected from iPhone users who volunteer and being able to access medical information and, and put the vast intelligence of Watson to work on, on figuring out um, medical issues and solutions that we never could solve before is exposing, micro, is exposing Apple again to the power of supercomputers and what you can do with them to solve human problems. And this is a good thing for Apple to be exposed to after being away from it for a while. It's not so important for Apple to be in the supercomputer business and selling hardware as it is for Apple as a solutions company to be exposed to a partner like IBM who's using supercomputers for the betterment of all mankind. And, you know, with Tim Cook's emphasis on ethics and his emphasis on honor and, and, and putting products to good use and, um, and solving fundamental human problems with technology, I can see how it's a very good thing for Tim to be brushing shoulders with executives at IBM and talking about what they can do together with supercomputers. So I think this is very good. It's also fun to see IBM people running around, not in ThinkPads, but MacBook Pros. Right. So that was my article. And Apple's reintroduction to IBM supercomputers will pay off. That was at Mac Observer yesterday. So without going into much detail, do you think we're going to see huge sales increases for, say, iPads because of this IBM association? No, I don't think it's going to be a a quantum jump, a huge jump. Um, But I, I do think it's going to help solidify the iPad in the enterprise uh, um, environment. And I was talking to Brian Chaffin this morning, and he made a very important point in the TMO Daily Observations podcast. And that is that Steve Jobs would be uh, sometimes quirky and uh, and drop something that wasn't being successful right away uh, when he thought there was something better to, to move on to. And so well, Apple was all about trying something. If it didn't work, dropping it quickly. Tim Cook is more methodical. When he sees value in something, he'll stick with it. He has a more determined, uh, more dogged approach to things. So when Tim Cook sees a problem that he thinks needs solved, he will work with it and find partners and develop technologies until he's satisfied that he's made headway. And so I think the, uh, the relationship with IBM is Tim Cook's way of saying, look, there's important work to be done in health and in business, and we can partner with IBM effectively and IBM customers can use iPads effectively with IBM's analytical tools. And we can collect and analyze a lot of health data with Watson. And, um, and maybe that will also lead to uh, seeing a 12-inch iPad as a enterprise solution as well. Hey, as well, tell us, John, where can we find more of the stuff you do? Oh, I'm John Marcellaro, Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews. And I write at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. 
little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Attention taxpayers, if you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news. There's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call 877-345-7645. That's 877-345-7645. 345-7645. When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you've been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately at 1-877-345-7645. That's 1-877-345-7645. 1-877-345-7645. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturing. If you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kyle Weens joined by Andrew Goldberg. They're with iFixit, iFixit.com. And these are the people who take all the new tech products, not just from Apple, but other companies, Samsung, everywhere. And they tear it down, tell you what makes it tick. But more important, they tell you how difficult it is for you to repair it. Now, to show the benchmark of that, the most difficult to repair computer ever was probably the 128K original Mac. Because it wasn't designed to be opened except by a service person because there was nothing inside, no user replaceable items. But now, of course, a modern product like an iPad or an iPhone we want to replace the battery after a couple of years. So in that spirit, Kyle, welcome back to the show. Welcome, Andrew. Can you, either of you who wants to get into this, tell us, first of all, in approaching the new two-pound MacBook, what was your teardown strategy? Well, thanks for having us on. Uh, with, I mean, the thing you do with any of these laptops, we just flip it over and we look at the screws. Mm -hmm. And what screws are there on the bottom? And in keeping with Apple's recent trend, they use this proprietary pentalobe screw uh, that's kind of designed to keep you out. Well, of course, we have that screwdriver. We sell that screwdriver. Uh, not really a big deal. Not really a uh, impediment to us. But it is an impediment to everybody else out there that in addition to a new computer, you also have to buy a new screwdriver. And you can't get this from, say going to your Target store or your Ace Hardware or something? Yeah, so your local Ace or Home Depot doesn't sell it. If you still have a Radio Shack around, there's still, believe it or not, there's still some of those around. They sell our toolkits, and so you can get uh, a Pentalobe driver with an iFixit toolkit at a local Radio Shack. Now, I understand that Radio Shack is going to stay in business, a limited number of stores, a private equity company offered to buy out, what, about 40% of the stores? Yeah, it's something like that. There's also a number of independently owned Radio Shack stores that are all going to continue to stay in business. We're distributing our tools there and, and try, trying to find another uh, consistent local distributor. But that's that's where you can get the screwdriver to get inside. Uh, and it's important, even if you're never planning on fixing it, if you ever have a water uh, spill, you got to get the thing open right away. It's really handy to have that screwdriver ready to go. Now, I've done a few of these interesting upgrades. I upgraded a 2009 27 inch iMac. And I also upgraded a MacBook Pro, a standard MacBook Pro 17 inch. The only thing about that, it's got tiny Phillips screws, so tiny that you could lose them very easily. So this computer has screws that are just as tiny. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the process in exquisite, exasperating, and maybe morbid detail. Who wants to take this? Give us the full steps of taking the MacBook and opening the case. Kyle. So we always remove the screws on the bottom, and then we start to pry up on the bottom. And that's where it got a little bit tricky. 
Yeah, in every other MacBook unibody that we've taken apart, you pull off the, the lower case and it's just aluminum. It's just a bare piece of aluminum on the bottom. And then everything else is up inside the computer in the upper case. In this case, when we pulled up the lower case, along with it came the battery and the logic board, which was something totally new that we weren't expecting and we'd never seen before. And there are a bunch of cables connecting the, the battery and the logic board on the lower case to the upper case and you aren't able to actually separate them without first reaching into that sort of crevice and disconnecting those cables. Then you can fully open the computer and start to take things out. It's kind of like if, you, if you've ever worked on a car and you have a situation where you get your hand all the way inside the car to disconnect the cable before you can remove the alternator. That's sort of the situation here. You have to pry the, the computer open, prop it open a little bit while you reach in and, and pop off these delicate connectors. Ooh, uh, is it easy? How many screws we're talking about? Uh, there's eight screws in the lower case. Those are the same Penelope screws. So if you don't have the Penelope screwdriver, it's nearly impossible. But if you do, that's easy. Uh, and then the hard part is just getting your hand in there, like Kyle said, and disconnecting things so that you can fully open it. And this is one of those standard things where the repair is hard if you don't have a repair instructions. If you do have repair instructions and you know to expect the cable and you know where it's at, it's doable. It's just a little bit uh, of a more of a hassle than it had to be. Uh, but it's, it's completely doable. So at this point, we've got the computer folded open and we're looking at it. And on one side, you've got the battery and the touchpad and the logic board. And on the other side, you've got the keyboard. Well, I, okay, I'm sorry. On, on, the, on the one side, you got the battery and the logic board. On the other side, you have the keyboard and the touchpad and, and then the hinge assembly and the display. So it's like, it's like there's three separate components to this. You've got the uppercase, the lowercase, and the display assembly. Mm -hmm. um, and so once we got in, we're like, okay, well, let's get the battery out. That's usually the first thing we try to do. Mm -hmm. And in this case, Apple put the battery connector underneath the logic board, which is something that we've seen in iPads since the iPad 2, where there's spring contacts on the bottom of the logic board, and so the logic board is screwed down on top of the battery to make contact. And that means that you can't get the battery out until you've taken the logic board out first. Is so that also, logical? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't think so. It, it makes it difficult to get the battery out, and more importantly, it makes it difficult to disconnect the battery while you're trying to disconnect everything else and work on other things, like, say, replacing the speakers or the trackpad. And now, this the consideration to make here is that Apple evidently designed this, before we get into more detail, to make it as small and as light as possible, and everything else was second? Yeah, I think that's a safe uh, assessment of the design. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's clearly designed to be able to be able to get in and service it, but it, mm -hmm. their, their perspective was, we're going to make it serviceable, but we're not going to make it easy. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so, so now you want to get the batteries, you have to pull the logic board. Correct. So the trick is you need to, you, you, when you get it open, you want to disconnect the battery before you remove the logic board. And then you have to make sure that the battery doesn't accidentally reconnect itself. Um, and this is a, a problem that we've seen in iPad repairs. Sometimes people uh, screw up in an iPad repair by, by allowing the battery to charge the system while they're working on the repair. So we have been working on this modified guitar pick that just has a slot cut out that makes it easy to disconnect the battery and keep it separated while you're working on the repair. Uh, we designed that a few weeks ago for iPad repairs, and it turns out it worked perfect for this device. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like they use things they learned from designing the iPad to build this thing. Absolutely. Yeah, just the, the size of the logic board and the, and the ratio of the logic board size to the battery size is very reminiscent of an iPad. 
I'm so if there was a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, as has been rumored, this is the design direction they might go into. It, it might look something like this. There are, there's definitely some commonalities between the two. The board design would be very different. So even though the size might be similar, it's pretty dramatically different designing a laptop board versus designing a ARM-based. And it's just a, a difference between an ARM-based system and an Intel-based system. Uh, so we still see that the actual circuit design on the board is quite a bit different between the iPad and this. But from a mechanical design perspective, the Mac laptop designs are moving more in the direction of the iPad. Now, looking at the logic board design before we remove the battery, does that follow fairly traditional layouts or what? Uh, yes, it's just very, very compact. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's fewer and fewer components than ever before. So they're, they're migrating and consolidating components. Um, you know, thermal management is an issue when you start to move all these things uh, this close together. Uh, interference of the chips running at high speeds interfering with each other when you put them that close together is challenging. So getting everything packed that close together was, was, was I'm sure, very challenging for them. But, but they did it. So I think you know, seeing a board that small is the result of a lot of uh, years of engineering effort. Now, is a major reason here of not allowing you to upgrade RAM or to remove the hard drive because it has to be so small, this logic board, everything is in close quarters. You can't add anything, even the capability of making them removable, because you end up with inefficiencies and less space. Yeah, I think it's fair to say at this size point that it would not really be viable to have upgradable RAM. Uh, I think you still could have something like an SD card slot or you know an expandable SSD for storage. Um, yeah, they could have, have made the space on the side. They could have sacrificed a little bit of battery or gone slightly thicker uh, to be able to integrate that in. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with an extra USB-C port. I mean, this is the major criticism of this laptop, and you compare it to the new Chromebooks, and it just has one charging port, and there's no USB port. So if you want to plug a mouse into your laptop, uh, you have to ha buy a $79 adapter mm -hmm. to plug into your power brick plus the, the mouse. But we use a wireless mouse. You could use Bluetooth. a wireless mouse, but then if you, if you, what about an external hard drive or any of the other? <laughs> no, we understand the use case. Okay, so you take apart, you remove the logic board, then you get the battery. Is it one battery or multiple batteries? It's one battery made up of six different cells, all of which are individually glued down into the aluminum. And glued, whoa, whoa, stop. <laughs> glued down. Before we go on, we're going to do a break here. Andrew Goldberg, Kyle Weens from iFixit, and they're taking apart for your edification the new MacBook. Don't do this at home, folks. i got to tell you that. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. By now, you heard about Bitcoins. But did you know that over 65,000 businesses accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Because at BidBit.co, you can receive Bitcoin by selling your personal items or business products. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products quickly, easily, and securely at BidBit.co. That's B-I-D-B-I-T.co. BidBit.co. We the people 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Or if you buy the tools from MyFixit, you know, I guess you could do it if you can get the parts. We have Kyle Weens and Andrew Goldberg. So now the battery, six cells, is glued down. So what's involved in separating it? Well, not only is it glued down, it's Apple's new terraced battery design, where they have sort of a contoured stack of a cell. So the battery itself, is each cell is sitting in a well and gets deeper and deeper in the center of the well in order to maximize the amount of volume inside that's being filled with battery. Which, it reminds me of the line in Indiana Jones where they talk about the well of souls. Here we have the well of batteries. That's what it feels like, yeah. And so each one of those cells, because of the glue and because of the, the deep well that it's sitting in, it's harder and harder to pry out. When you get to the actual two cells in the middle, there's a, a little aluminum wall that blocks the logic board in and also blocks access to those battery cells. And so it gets even harder to pry. We use a plastic card and heat from the other side. And it's just a, a slow, arduous, forceful process to cut through the glue and pry these cells out and then remove the battery. Now, I go to an Apple store two, three years from now, and I want to replace the battery. Before we get on to the reassembly, how long do you think it's going to take the Apple genius to replace your battery? Are they going to do them in stores? I, I mean, this is almost borderline something that an Apple genius isn't going to take the time to do. I feel like if they're going to, they would replace the lower case with a new battery. But you're going to replace the main board at the same time. You could take it out and transfer it. It would yeah. probably still be faster than prior. So that would be the fastest way to do this would be to take it apart, take your main board, put it on a new lower case that had the, the battery and everything, mm-hmm. and then put the whole thing back together. If I was if I was Apple trying to make this work in a retail repair setting, 
And then you'd send the dead batteries with the, the lowercase assemblies back in to a service depot where they would they would replace the batteries where they had more time. Yeah. So um, is this something that's going to be done by home users or are they just going to say, you know what, let the service people figure it out? Well, it's going to come down to if we can get replacement aftermarket batteries. So I think if we can sell these batteries, we'll be able to come up with a process for people to do it. Yeah. But you know, manufacturing these batteries is going to be a challenge for parts companies like ourselves. So we are starting to work on it now, and we'll see. But it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, learning how to remove the glue is, I mean, it's just something you have to be a bit patient at. Mm-hmm. It's definitely possible. It'll take time, but if you're doing this at home, you generally have time. You can spend an hour at it and do a good job and save a lot of money by not paying someone to do it for you. But somebody's going to charge you $100 just to take it apart, plus the cost of the battery. Apple will have a flat fee, though. Yes, and I haven't Mm -hmm. seen what... Have you looked to see what their flat fee is for the MacBook battery replacement in the past... I think they've said something like 179 for the Retina MacBook Pro. I haven't. I haven't looked. At, I will, I'm looking at the website now to see what the price is for the the new MacBook. They, okay, they don't have it listed yet. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got the other MacBooks, but they don't have the new MacBook listed. But this is a problem. They're saying repairs on the Apple Watch are going to be very expensive. They're talking about something like $250 for a repair on a $350 Apple Watch. Yes, but what they're going to do, obviously, is just replace the insides. Right. Or the outsides for that price. Or the outsides. For the gold yeah. watch. No, so just exchange it, which is what it's going to be. Yeah. So we are moving into an era of disposable Apple products, which yeah, maybe for a $350 watch, maybe you can justify, but a $1,300 laptop, that's, that's a little bit crazy. Well, also, I have to consider the fact here that if you bought a $10,000 Apple Watch edition, right. it's no longer disposable. And certainly a MacBook is not going to be disposable because you want it around for five years. Right. And if you have to replace the battery once for even $179, that's the cost of doing business. You don't worry about it. Okay, so putting it back because now you've got to reapply adhesive. What kind of adhesive do you get? This is not something you get from the hardware store. No, we sell replacement adhesive strips. So usually if you're you're buying a part from us, we include uh, adhesive that's kind of a double-sided tape that's pre-cut to the exact size that you want for the application. Um, the, the, The type of foam that we use is a little bit different depending on the context. Sometimes it's exactly like a double-sided tape. Sometimes it's a bit of a foam that, that's about a millimeter thick that gives you a little bit, a little bit of, of spongy give as you apply it. It, it depends on the application. In this case, uh, Apple is using something that's a little bit tar-like. Yeah. It's like a fairly thick black tape. Yeah, maybe like a 3M very high bond type adhesive, which really feels like overkill for the device. If I were to replace it for a new battery, I would put in something a lot less sticky. There isn't that much room in there for the battery to move around at all, especially with those terraced wells. So just a tiny bit to keep it from sliding around is really all you need. Now, the other thing to consider here is once you remove the adhesive, is it easy to clean out or you just kind of do the best you can and apply the double-sided tape to replace it? This adhesive peels off fairly cleanly if you can get an edge. Uh, you might spend a little bit of time scraping small bits, but it, it's the kind of thing that won't leave a huge nasty residue. So you scrape it with what? Some kind of piece of plastic? 
Yeah, like a plastic opening tool or a plastic sponger, some kind of. You could even use the exacto knife, I would think. You could, since it's the I mean, inside. It's, it's the inside, and it's metal. It wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Or some goof off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's interesting in the repair community. We're all just learning, and the manufacturers are learning too, just how to work with glue. The manufacturers are getting better at using glue to put these things together, mm -hmm. and consumers and repair shops are having to get better at working at you know taking the glue off and putting it back on. It's kind of like it, we're, we're learning 21st century repair skills. The 20th century was all about screws, and the 21st century is going to be about glue and how to remove it and, and add it back in. Mm -hmm. That sounds very old-fashioned, though. I mean, glue, adhesive. Right. You'd think that Apple could come up with something more space-age that was easy. It seems a little bit ridiculous that the adhesive is the only option. Well, we think there are other ways that they could have done it. Definitely. Um, but when part of it, too, is that they're really trying to optimize for minimizing manufacturing defects. Uh, and it's easier to tell people to glue something together the same way a million times in a row than it is to tell them to, you know, attach clips in a very specific tolerance. So I think I think that's part of it is they're optimizing for their manufacturing costs and manufacturing reproducibility. And it's, it's a little bit of the expensive serviceability. I guess they expect that except for batteries, it's a very rare thing. So in the end here, what else do you have to do to put the thing back together again? You reapply the adhesive, and then you place the batteries back in the slot. Put the batteries back in, then you put the circuit board, the logic board back in, uh, reconnect it, and then, and then put it back together. I think it's the sort of thing that if you got fast at it, you might be able to replace the batteries uh, you know, fairly quickly. It's certainly not like the MacBook of yore, but uh, it, it's it's doable. All this in the exchange of being tiny, teeny. Yeah. All right. Now, well, how do you rate I, in comparison with other Macs, MacBooks, before we even consider Windows notebooks? How do you consider its repairability, the MacBook? This is, well, how would you compare this to the Retina MacBook Pro? Well, compared to the Retina MacBook Pro, there isn't much difference. So this is very similar. These Retina yeah. machines, whether it's the Retina MacBook or the Retina MacBook Pro, are all very similar to each other. They're glued together. They all got one out of ten on the repair score. Uh, they're very challenging to work on. Uh, now, the MacBook that we like a lot is the MacBook Air. It continues to get uh, strong scores from us, even the new models. Uh, the battery is just screwed in. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get out. Uh, it's it's very repairable. If you crack the screen, you can swap the screen out relatively easily. Uh, it's a really good machine. Okay. MacBook Air. Has that gotten better over time since the first one came out? It has, yeah. The, the first revision was a little rough on the inside, and then I think one or two years later, while it looked exactly the same from the outside, Apple redesigned the internals and made it a little more streamlined and clean and easier to work on. And it's pretty much been the same for the last three years now and we're kind of worried that it's a dying breed and going to be phased out but we're holding our fingers crossed because for now it's it's probably our favorite currently available and updated macbook uh for working on and repairing andrew goldberg kyle weens joining us on the tech night out live
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7. And take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hugamac for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugamac, bitdefender.com backslash hugamac. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face -face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. one 800 425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you 
you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Now, if you want to hear the ad-free version of the show, free of the network ads, you go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. It's $5 a month, 50 a year, 175 for five years, and you get a higher quality audio, too. So here, Andrew and Kyle, crisper and cleaner, forget about me. So they've taken apart and put together the new MacBook, and it ain't easy. I mean... You can get the tools from them if you want to do it. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to try. Now, we know that you don't have an Apple Watch there unless you have something going on in secret that we don't know about. (laughs) What kind of strategy do you plan for that? Do you have experience tearing apart other smartwatches? We do. We've been taking apart pretty much every major smartwatch that's come out for the last year or two, Mm -hmm. Uh, starting with the Samsung Galaxy Gear and then the Galaxy Gear 2. We've taken apart LG's smartwatch. We've taken Mm -hmm. apart the Pebbles. The Moto 360. The Moto 360 is probably the most interesting and the most popular smartwatch out there. So, yeah, we've taken apart a lot of them. Uh, And there's dramatic design differences between them. The Fitbit, which is just the little uh, wrist computer, that is designed in a thermo-welded plastic case where there is no way into the Fitbit to change the battery without completely destroying the product. Uh, So that's worse than the MacBook or anything else we're looking at. It's really designed to be a disposable product after a year. Uh, Some of the other watches are pretty easy to get in and repair. The the Android smartwatches are, for the most part, tiny Android phones. They've got like a little back panel that pops off, a little battery inside, a little motherboard with little ribbon cables and little buttons. They're just, they're not watches at all. Uh, you know, by any definition, they're just tiny little wrist phones for the most part. And they're about as repairable as any other smartphone. So the key here is there's no design ingenuity there. It's just scaled down what they already have. That's pretty much what it feels like. Yeah. It's, it's very similar design principles to a full-size smartphone. Now, that said, the Moto 360 is a really elegant product. It is. It, it was fun to take apart. Mm-hmm. It's a very clever mechanical design. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just that it has the same sort of technology. So part of what we're comparing this to is we've been repairing a lot of regular watches lately. We've been taking apart um, everything from the Apple Watch that they released back in the 90s to other similar quartz and mechanical watches to get familiar with, with what typical watch design is. And what we have found is that these smartwatches are much closer to phones than they are traditional watches. I have this old fake Rolex with a bad crown. So if you really want to fix it, I'll send it out. You'll learn how to fix a Rolex, assuming the fake Rolex is designed similarly to a regular Rolex. I don't know. But all right. So you're becoming watchmakers over there. Mm -hmm. 
One interesting thing about the Rolex is that the crown has a number of uh, gaskets to, to waterproof it. One of the harder places to waterproof a watch is on the crown. And so Rolex uses at least three gaskets on the crown mm -hmm. uh, at different stages of the construction to make sure that water can't get through the crown into the watch. Do you have people over there at iFixit who have worked on watches or is this something you had to learn? We have three people at Rolex's watch repair school right now learning. We are, you know, ac actively upskilling. We also have a expert master watchmaker that has been consulting with us on kind of the project, getting ready for the Apple Watch. Okay, so the question will be, how close is the Apple Watch to a traditional watch in terms of repairability? Have you looked at the pictures and gotten any ideas yet what you'd have to do? We don't have any idea. <laughs> it's a big mystery. Yeah, it definitely looks much more like a traditional watch than other smartwatches. So, you know, that, that's why we're, we're trying to learn everything we can about traditional watches, both to be able to compare it and to be ready for anything, basically. Uh, you know, we've just been getting ready, trying to learn everything we can about traditional watches, because we don't know if it will be anything like it, or just at least to have a basis for comparison, getting watchmaking tools and sort of sharpening our watch opening knife and getting ready. Now, contrary to popular opinion, iFixit.com is not located in a railroad car. <laughs> Just next to many. Oh, well. Throughout the day, we get our, our several times a day freight train passage. Uh, all right. So you have no clue at this point what kind of tools you're going to require, that sort of thing. Obviously, Apple will offer a battery replacement service. I assume here they expect if they're going to fix this thing, they'll just replace something. Now, the other question I'd have here is if Apple decided to create like an upgrade program for an Apple Watch, which has been mentioned by some people, would there be a way to pull out the guts real easily and keep the outside case? That's another question. You have to imagine that's the case. I would think that people are going to be having these things laser engraved and customized like they have with, with iPods and iPhones over the years. Uh, particularly with the expensive watch, they've got to be swapping out the internals. What that looks like, we just don't know yet. Uh, I'm a little bit discouraged by the pricing they're talking about with their, with their battery swaps. Um, but it's, 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 it's going to be inevitable. The, the other interesting thing is, you know, with, with an iPad, you, you get, you get uh, you know, so many cycles, you're not necessarily going through an iPad's entire battery every day. But with the watches, it sounds like everybody is charging the watch every single night, which means that its battery life is going to be much more similar to the iPhone than the iPad. And what I think we've all found with the iPhones is that you really have to replace your battery every year, year and a half. Oh, boy. Well, if you're spending $10,000 for an yeah. Apple Watch, it doesn't matter. If you're spending $349, i would be concerned. Okay, so that's Apple Watch. As soon as it's available, we'll have Kyle on the show with his cohorts or henchmen or henchwomen or whatever they are. <laughs> and you'll be telling us about Apple Watch. Let's look at some other products that have come out here. Now, Samsung released the Galaxy S6 and S6 Edge where the screen goes over the side. It looks really crazy. It's like, you know, having TVs with curved screens at Samsung cells. I don't yep. know about their design people. Now, with the previous galaxy watches you open the case it's plastic it opens the case you can take the battery out things like that it wasn't i guess that hard to do the battery replacement but now it appears that 
Samsung is trying to copy Apple more than ever. And we're going to have to break it about a minute. Let's get started on this. So is the process of fixing a Galaxy S6 and S6 Edge similar to uh, iPhones? It's actually gotten quite a bit harder than the iPhone, Mm -hmm. which is a surprise because before they were about neck and neck. The Samsung was about as easy to repair as the iPhone with the bonus of a uh, removable battery. But now Samsung has glued the back case on. The back is glass as well as the front. So you have two things to break and it's hard to get into the battery. So we're not very happy with Samsung. We had to use the eye opener and apply heat and use suction cups and guitar picks to get inside. And and this is what I was saying, where the the next decade of repair is about being able to work with glue. In order to repair these Samsungs, you're going to have to be pretty proficient with uh, removing glue. I gather this is a lot more complicated than an iPhone? It's not so much more complicated. It's just more glue. More glue. Ooh, glue. Okay, yeah. go glue yourself, folks. We have Kyle Weens and Andrew Goldberg, and they're really stuck together because of this. <laughs> From iFixit.com, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation, compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit criticalhealthnews.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes Lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join our Critical Health News team. Go to criticalhealthnews.com. That's criticalhealthnews.com. 
By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and body extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for long and healthy life. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So Samsung has gone the route of glue. Glue. Kyle Weens and Andrew Goldberg from iFixit. So you got to really go through conniptions to open up this Galaxy S6 and S6 Edge. Any difference or is it just the screen that extends to the side? There are a few minor differences once you get inside, but from the back, opening it up, they're virtually identical. Uh, once you get the back off and the mid-frame off on the S6 Edge, then it's a little bit more difficult to get the battery out than in the, the standard S6. It looped the battery cable underneath the motherboard in the S6 Edge. So that's one more step. You have to take the motherboard out first. And the battery itself is a little bit harder to pry out. Battery is also glued in because the screen wraps around up on the sides of the battery on the S6 Edge. So there's a little bit less room to, to pry in straight. Other than that, they have you know, nearly identical rear glass panels and mid-frames and motherboards. They're pretty much the same font. Yeah. Now, when you take it apart, is it possible to take it apart cleanly that you don't break anything? Yeah, I think so. I mean, ours completely works. So we did it the first time, I think, with a repair guide and, you know, patience and the right tools. Uh, absolutely. We gave the Samsung Galaxy S6 a 4 out of 10 on their repairability scale, uh, which is completely doable. It's quite a bit higher than some other phones like the, uh, the HTC One phones mm-hmm. all score very, very poorly. Uh, so Samsung used glue in this case in a way that can be gotten into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's doable. Uh, yeah, the iPhone we gave us 
the iPhone six gets a, I think, I think a, a seven. I think it gets a seven out of ten. So it's it's scoring dramatically better. But both phones are definitely still repairable. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had to replace the display on the edge, it sounds weird to me. Is it? It, it's very difficult. If With previous Samsung Galaxy S phones, you were able to replace just the glass digitizer fairly easily. It's it's not a amateur level repair, but the pro guys were definitely doing it all the time. On the edge, it gets significantly more difficult because of the way that the, the OLED screen is bonded to the glass all the way around. It's just a, a much more difficult part to pull off, especially if it's broken. So it's going to be a case of buying the entire display assembly, which will be a significantly more expensive part. And that's one thing that's interesting that a lot of manufacturers don't factor into repairability. It's when you glue things together, it's like, okay, that's fine. If the entire glass is stuck together, it's maybe possible to get it off. But when when you break it and the glass is shattered, now you've got individual pieces of glass that are Mm -hmm. each individually glued down and you have to pop each of them off. And it can be an hour or two of just very careful prying to remove every single little piece. And the new glass won't made on there cleanly unless all the previous glass is gone. So it ends up being a lot of work. If, if I were, as a consumer, I would absolutely prefer the S6 over the Edge, even if I thought the Edge was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difficulty and expensive repair and the rarity of that part are going to make that, uh, I think, a no-go from a product lifespan perspective. In essence, Samsung has made things more difficult. Mm. What can I say? Yeah, Samsung was the, the shining beacon of light in, in uh, the industry for a while with the, with the easily removable battery, and, and they've gone in the other direction, and it's a little bit disappointing. I think they probably feel like they were backed into a bit of a corner by the lackluster sales of the S5, and so they had to, had to follow Apple down the, mm-hmm. the glued road, uh, which is a little bit of a shame, and I wish that, that we could get I mean, this is it, at the end of the day, it's down to consumers. It's down to all of us when we decide which phones to, to buy. Uh, to vote with our wallets and uh, you know, like HTC has been reasonably rewarded for the HTC one design, which is a shame because people get them and then they realize, Oh shoot, I'm only going to be able to use this phone for a year or so. Well, the thing that bothers me here, of course, is if you don't have to replace the battery. Okay. But since you have to every year or two, let the dealer do it. Yeah. The thing is, Samsung's repair network isn't all that good. So, yeah, Apple has Apple stores. Maybe you can take it in if you're lucky enough to get an appointment. But with a Samsung, you really have to mail it in. Uh, and nobody wants to mail their phone in to get it repaired. I mean, nobody wants to go without their phone for a week while, while somebody's fixing it. Mm-hmm. That could potentially hurt sales, but we'll have to see. Early reports say they expect to sell $10 million in 28 days as opposed to Apple selling 10 million iPhone 6 and 6 Pluses in a three-day weekend. But that's good for Samsung, so maybe that's an improvement. You know, let's go and look at the PC notebook arena for a little while here, because of the fact that we hear about how difficult it is to repair a MacBook or Apple notebooks. What about PC notebooks, especially the slim or ultrabook kind? Sure. Yeah, so we recently got our hands on Dell's new Ultrabook, uh, is the Dell XPS 13, uh, and it's a pretty nifty product. Yeah, it's definitely a, a MacBook Air type competitor. It's small and thin, just like that, uh, and yet it does it in a very different way. It's thinner than the MacBook Air, 
uh, right. I believe so. Yeah. So this this is this is a product that came out before the new MacBook. It was thinner than the MacBook Air, so now it's sitting in between the MacBook Air and the and the new MacBook in terms of of thickness. But it's a very small, lightweight computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty impressive engineering feat. It feels, I mean, just the, the the look and feel of it. It feels like a great product. It's got you know a decent selection of expansion ports along the side. The industrial design language is definitely Dell, but it's a very quality Dell. Dell has really upped their game in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, know, it, it, you start out, you flip, it, you flip it over, and you're like, hey, this is normal Torx screws. They use Torx T5 screws on the bottom instead of any crazy proprietary screw. So that's exciting. Um, the bottom plate and, and getting open uh, is, is more similar to the MacBook Air than the new MacBook. It's just one, one uh, metal sheet, and then that comes off, and then you've kind of got access to the whole inside of it. Yeah, and one of the fun things, as soon as you open it up, everything is labeled, everything is modular. So as you disconnect things, you don't need to worry about remembering where they go because each cable is labeled to where it goes back. Each screw even is labeled with a, an arrow and a size call out saying, hey, put that 1.6 millimeters through back here. So it's, it's definitely a repair was a big part of their design. They kept it in mind. And not only that, I believe it also already has a, a set of free accessible repair manuals provided by Dell, which is something that we love to see. So Dell wants to make them repairable. Have you had a chance to look at the new Microsoft Surface 3, the low power version? Um, that's not actually out yet. We've seen oh. the Surface Pro 3. Yeah, so yeah, we got the Surface Pro 3. The Surface 3 we're interested in. It's just mm-hmm. we haven't been able to get our hands on it yet. Yeah, I think that comes out next month. Yeah. I've seen reviews of it, so I guess they're really pre-hyping it. Well, if you go back to a Surface Pro Microsoft, that's a pretty thin thing. So how easy is it to fix? <laughs> not, not all that easy. So Microsoft Surface products have never been easy to get into. Um, we have never been a fan of, of the, the design, um, all the way through they're they're extremely kind of difficult to get into. Um, they take glue to extremes and not, not only is it glue, they use lots of, uh, of uh, screws as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they're heavy, um, I'm much more impressed by Dell's design than that Dell XPS 13 than I am by the Microsoft Surface Pro. Um, and that's that's just kind of been all the way through. When we got the first Surface and, and the Surface Pro, we took them apart and we were like, wow, this feels like a mistake. Like they're going to have to fix this in the next version. This just doesn't seem like good product design. And they've stuck with it, which has just shocked us. Yeah, the, the big improvement of the Surface Pro 3 was that the glass is thinner. So it was easier to break, and, and we broke it while we were taking it apart. In fact, the glass broke sitting on our photo table just because we had a, a guitar pick halfway pried in the side for a picture, and as the glue cooled on the table, it contracted and pulled the glass down, and that was enough to break and crack the screen while we were trying to open it. So we've not been very impressed with the, with the Surface Surface Pro line as far as repairability goes. So we would not like to say and be insulting that the designers of the Microsoft Surface Pro were cracked. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps so. We have Andrew Goldberg and Kyle Weens from iFixit.com. We're going to continue for another segment to tear things apart and hopefully put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) 
great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join the Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Attention taxpayers, if you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news. There's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call 877-345-7645. That's 877 345 
800-845-7645. When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you've been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately at 1-877-345-7645. That's 1-877-345-7645. 1-877-345-7645. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. When it comes to taking things apart and putting them together if they can, Kyle Weens and Andrew Goldberg from iFix.com, they've been doing it. So far, we talked about the new MacBook. We speculated about Apple Watch because we don't have one. And we talked about the Samsung Galaxy S6. And we mentioned the MacBook Air as being easy, that Dell makes notebook computers are easy to take apart, easy to replace parts. And then the Microsoft Surface 3 Pro, like all Surface tablets, is filled with glue and stuff and very difficult. So what kind of glue are we talking about here? Is it the same thing? You can just kind of clean it out and then reassemble things or what? On the, on the Surface Pro 3, it was basically tar. Uh, same as on the Surface Pro and Surface Pro 2. It was a very thick, black, nasty, gunky adhesive that took a very long time to separate out and pry up against and then takes an even longer time to peel up and clean the adhesive off in order to apply a new layer and put it back together. Now, this is a notebook computer, so some time is going to come that you have to replace the battery. So is this something that a user can do, or does it take a power user, or do you just go to Microsoft or a third-party dealer to do it? Definitely not your normal user. This isn't something that most people are going to want to attempt. It's hard. There's a good chance that you're going to crack the screen opening it up. Which That bothers me because it looks like you take Apple parts, and they're difficult, but it's pretty hard to break the screen. Mm-hmm. Same thing with an iPhone. And it looks like Samsung, you can take it apart and put it together and not worry about it. But when it comes to Microsoft, that's got to be a negative for a lot of people who are in business, right? I think so. I mean, if I was trying to get a Windows, uh, you know, a portable Windows machine, I would be looking at, at these Dell tablets or, you know, one of the other OEMs that's making something that's repairable. I wouldn't consider, if I wanted the Microsoft Services capabilities, I would get it from one of the other OEMs. I wouldn't get it from Microsoft. Yeah, the problem with this form factor is that it's all of the repairability woes of the iPad on top of what you would normally expect to be a repairable Windows device. So they they took a nice, easy-to-fix Windows laptop, and they shoved it all behind an iPad screen that's glued down. And so it's just not a win for repairability, that you have to get through the screen to do anything. And that's to, to change out the SSD, which is replaceable, but only, again, if you take the screen off first. Or replace the battery, which is definitely going to be a necessary thing down the line. Well, of course, anyone who's worked on an iMac knows about tearing apart screens. That's true. With iMacs, you do have to go in through the screen, but they're much stronger. They're much thicker glass. Up until recently, they were held in with magnets, no adhesive at all. And more recent crop, even though they do use adhesive, it's actually a fairly thick foam adhesive that's pretty easy to cut with a tool that we sell, a little pizza wheel cutter kind of. Cuts through the adhesive without leaving any gunk and lets you pull the screen out without any chance of breaking it. So there are better ways to do it, 
And, and with an iMac, it's a desktop. You have the luxury of making it a little bit heavier, and you're able to do that. Microsoft, in wanting to make a, a combination tablet laptop, opted for lighter and smaller and didn't do that. They don't use Apple's techniques. Not that Apple's are easy, but I don't know. So we understand with a Dell notebook that these are designed to be business computers and you want to make them easy to service. With Apple, you want to make them thin and light. Repairability is second. With Samsung, I don't know. So is this where it's going to be in the future, though, where we no longer consider computers of any kind to be stuff that you upgrade? You buy what you want, and if you want your battery replaced, most people are just going to take it to the dealer. I hope not. I, I hope that this is a temporary blip. I mean, what we're finding, and this is our perspective in the repair industry, is that the repair industry needs to evolve and, and gain skills as manufacturers modify product designs. Uh, if it's just a matter of things getting smaller, that's fine. We can learn from the watch industry. I mean, there are there is no component in any product Apple has ever made that is as small as a typical component inside of a Rolex. Mm-hmm. So we can get smaller. We can we can get tools to work on these things. And there are lots of ways of waterproofing these mechanical watches. So, so you don't have to use adhesives. We feel like adhesives are kind of a lazy way out for product designers, and it's it's what everybody is doing right now. But I don't think it's going to be a permanent trend, particularly as you know we start to plateau in some of these form factors, and battery longevity becomes a, a critical factor. They're going to have to make it easier to get in and swap these batteries. Well, I sure hope so. I guess the other thing is here: can they come up with batteries that handle longer charging cycles? Because right now, what is it? Five hundred usually for a battery. Yeah, it's anywhere between 400 and 1,000. On, on the laptops, they rate them at 1,000. On, on something like the, the phone, and I would guess the watches, they're rated at 400 cycles. It's certainly a possibility to uh, uh, come up with better ca- battery chemistries. But batteries uh, technology is just not improving at the same rate that everything else is. Mm-hmm. So we, we foresee the batteries being a limiting factor for a good long while. Another thing is that every time we see any sort of incremental improvement in battery chemistry or technology, manufacturers would rather use that to make the battery smaller while keeping battery life about the same, rather than improve the battery life and improve the length of the product. They're more excited about a chance to make a thinner iPhone than a chance to make a longer-lasting iPhone. So any of that benefit might just be lost by, by shaving down and making it a smaller, even though it's a longer-lasting battery. Let me ask you a kind of a theoretical question here. If Apple comes out with a car in five years, will you suddenly be tearing down cars? (laughs) We would sure love to. Cars get expensive. We're learning this with with these Apple watches. There's a lot of expensive options here. Uh, With the car, you know, we would love to have taken apart the Model S, and we just could not quite bring ourselves to spend the 60 grand or 80 grand we would have had to, to spend on it. I think we're going to need to start taking sponsors at that point. We haven't done done that thus far. We, we uh, do all of our R&D on behalf of the repair community. And we haven't been able, had to out, ask for, you know, sort of stick our hat out to ask for donations. But if, if we were getting $50,000 cars, we have to, have, have mm-hmm. to do something else. But we definitely would love to. So if you called up Elon Musk, and gave him the value proposition. You don't think he'd send you over a seventy-five thousand dollar Model S? That's what they start at now. They raise the price. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe uh, it, it would sure be interesting. I think he's too busy building his volcano lair. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm more thinking of the fact that he wants to take off into outer space. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> you know, the car thing is, okay, it's cool. But I think if he could build a flying car that was accessible, practical, and affordable, he'd do it. Sure. I think that would be great. You know, uh, autonomous vehicles are much, much easier in the air. I mean, we've been using autopilots on planes for a long, long time. It's so much easier to navigate uh, without having to deal with all the ground obstacles. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's, uh, let's give Elon a call and make it happen. You'll keep me notified, guys. <laughs> Tell our listeners where they can find more information about what iFixit does. Sure. So you can find us at ifixit.com, and we have step-by-step instructions for how to repair everything from computers to cars. Uh, we also have a pretty popular Q&A forum. So if you're struggling to figure out how to diagnose something, post a, post a question with what you've tried, what's worked, what hasn't. And uh, our friendly community of repair techs and volunteers will help you solve your problem. Uh, so we've got everything you need from uh, the, the information on how to fix things to troubleshooting information. And then, of course, the parts and tools that you need to actually do the repair. You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we have another radio show called The Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night at Paracast.com. This week will feature Kevin D. Randall, well-known writer of science fact and science fiction. And by the way, if you want the ad-free version of the Tech Night Owl Live, here's what you do. Go to plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. Simple sign-up instructions there. It's $5 a month, $50 a year, $175 for a five-year membership. You get the ad-free version of the show, and we also give you better quality audio. So you get this great package all together for a simple low price. That's plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com. Check it out for more. And we've had an enjoyable session earlier in the show. We were talking to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. And now, Kyle Weens, Andrew Goldberg, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.